going on as the EFELS Clippers podcast coming at you here on Wednesday evening. The All-Star break is almost over, which means it's time for a second half preview and, of course, some other, other topics on the agenda. I'm your host, Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus, joined by my co-host, Matt Mattawarn, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast, back from all of his baby moons. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports, Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back. The many, 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 many baby moons were awesome. We had so much fun. I'm glad to be back. I'm really glad that basketball is coming back. I've been listening to nothing but true crime podcasts. And Brandon, before we came on air, when you were telling me that you had some solar panel guys visiting your house, I got really nervous because I've been listening to so much true crime podcast. I thought to myself, I'm never going to hear from Brandon again. This is not a solar panel guy. They're going to kidnap Brandon. And then this, the show is just going to dissolve because it would not work without you. Can I tell you something funny? Um, I went and I took our child to go get um, something at Trader Joe's and then to go to Ralph's afterwards. And I had this appointment scheduled for this guy to come over and I didn't write it down. So I had no clue. So all of a sudden he shows up. I'm out and about with my son and I told my wife to handle it. And all of a sudden I text her after like 30 minutes because I would have expected her to be like, hey, all right, he's gone. This is the deal. Blah, blah, blah. Never got that text. And so I texted her. I'm like, hello, like, what's going on? And she's like, hi, I'm alive. All she said. I was like, okay. I called her before that. She didn't answer. But then she said the hi, I'm alive. I'm like, all right, cool. And then um, I opened the door to our house when I get home. And he's sitting on the couch. So I was terrified when I opened the door because I was not – like, my thought is, oh, my God. Like, she's being raped. Like, uh, where is she? Like, I checked my find my friends to make sure she was home. And this is me without even listening to true crime podcasts. So I think I'm banned from uh, listening to true crime podcasts because that's where my mind wandered even without having to listen to it. So there you go. Yeah, We're on the same dude, if, that, if that's where your head went, imagine where mine went after a week of just strictly true crime. So <laughs> let's get back into true b-ball here and talk some clips. Let's do it. We got a couple of topics on the agenda. Um, we are going to preview the second half. Uh, we're going to talk about the all-star game very briefly. And we are going to get into this Doc Rivers versus J.J. Redick feud. Let's do the basketball part first. Um, I was going to do it in reverse, but let's do the basketball part first. So here's the second half. It is about to begin, and it begins right away with a very tough opponent in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Here's what is ahead for the Clippers. 17 games with teams above 500. So there's 29 total games. 17 against teams that are above 500, 500 or above, 12 below, 15 home games, 14 road games. Um, Just to give you a little bit of comparison, with the Timberwolves, I believe the T-Wolves have like seven or eight extra home games um, compared to road games. So that gives them the inside track to that one seed. Um, Six of the last seven games for the Clippers are at home, which means that the majority are on the road out of the all-star break. So there are a couple big road trips in there um, just to start OKC in Memphis. And then after the three game homestand at Minnesota, at Milwaukee, at Houston, and there's another uh, couple of road trips that are thrown in there as well. Seven back to backs. So we are going to see if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to continue to play in those back to backs. Um, But the one thing that's most important coming out of the all-star break is a clean injury report. 
So no Kawhi, which is fantastic to see, given that he was able to play in the All Star play in the All Star game. And I bet Shap my entire life savings that that Kawhi would not play. So um, I am um, doing this podcast on the street. Um, I am saying hello to my friends on the street. It is yeah, it's not not been fun. It's not been fun at all. Um, no, really, I yeah, I can't believe he played in that game. But anyways, that's what lies ahead. Um, what stands out for you, Matt, of what I just said in terms of 17 above 500, 15 home, 14 road, six the last seven are at home, and seven back-to-backs? Well, first, let's just shout out uh, Mayor Karen Bass for her initiative to give solar panels to people on the streets. I just think that's I just think that's really nice um, and, and awesome that you have a couch that a potential killer could be sitting at to when you get back to what I'm assuming is a structure built of cardboard boxes. <laughs> But to the Clippers' uh, schedule moving forward, this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? Because 29 games is a lot. Uh, you and Chap talked about how last season after the All-Star break, the, there, was, there were a lot fewer games than there are going to be. 21, after. I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, eight more games, that's crazy. And seven of them being back-to-back sex- sets, like you mentioned, it is going to be a tough road ahead. And these teams that are over 500, it's... For the most part, it's not like teams that are just eking over 500, barely over 500. It is teams like the OKC Thunder. It is teams like the Timberwolves. It's teams like the Bucks. Uh, a couple of times. It's teams like New Orleans, who we well documented that the Clippers have trouble with. So it is not going to be an easy road ahead. Yes, there are some games in there that are going to be these games that the Clippers just have to take care of. Right? There's a back-to-back set against Portland uh, in the middle of March. And and the, you know a bunch of games like this, the game against Memphis, which is actually second half of a back-to-back after the Thunder. This one coming up Thursday, Friday. But it's really going to. This is really where the the, the test of taking the regular season seriously. And if these guys can, you know, knock on cardboard, stay healthy. This is really where it's gonna it's gonna show if the Clippers can and are this title contender that we are thinking and hoping that they can be because 29 games, man, in in this short period of time with all those back-to-back sets, all the travel. And like you said, it's, it's front loaded with away games being that the last six of seven are at home. So it is, it is no easy task. And I think the Clippers are up to it, to be perfectly honest with you. Like you said, Clear injury report. Our, our guy Law Murray was saying that everybody was at practice day, and that includes Pajamas Tucker and Bones Highland. So they got the whole crew. Let's see what they come with. How are you feeling going in going into this uh, post All Star bonanza? You know, I laugh every single time you say Pajamas Tucker. It, it is just it cracks me up every time you say that. Um, it's just funny just to imagine him just in pajamas. <laughs> um, I'm feeling all right. Uh, it is interesting. They have five four game weeks I believe it is um, if I counted correctly so obviously it's going to be very difficult down the stretch and you mentioned it you got a couple games against Minnesota obviously the game against OKC out of the all-star break towards the end of the season you have two straight games at Phoenix I mean against Phoenix uh, it's a home and home with them um, a couple games with Sacramento um, thrown in there and that's a team that obviously can give the Clippers problems with their speed Um I'll be going to the game on Sunday, by the way. It's uh, my first Clipper game in a long time. I think the last Clipper game I went to during the regular season um, was many, many years ago, which is wild. But the last game I went to in general was the one game the Clippers beat the Suns um, in that five-game series that they lost. So it's been a while. Um, So, yeah, I should be going on Sunday. So looking forward to that to see the Clippers take on uh, Sacramento and 
be at the crypt for the first time. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of tests in there. And the Clippers will have to earn their way to getting a top two, top three seed. And I'm confident that they can get it done. This team has stayed healthy so far. And I think that's going to be the mo- uh, really the thing to look out for. And the motto for the second half is stay healthy. Because 29 games and having five four-game weeks and seven back-to-backs, um, that's a lot. That's a lot, Matt. And so the more games you play, obviously, the more chances for injury. And the more games you play consecutively, the more wear and tear there is on bodies. So I think the Clippers really need to take care of their bodies in the second half. And so um, that's my only concern is just watching how many games and how it affects the Clippers. Yeah, they've, they've got to maintain health. I mean, that is paramount, especially when they move into the playoffs. And another thing I'm going to be watching, and, you know, you and Shap did a great, I mean, a great, great job when I was baby mooning, uh, you know, for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time I've, I've lost count at this point. But, you know, just to weigh in, I'm going to be watching the lineups, right? specifically the starting lineup. You guys mentioned T-Man versus Amir Coffey in that last podcast that you did. And it is my personal opinion that the Clippers should stick with T-Man in that starting lineup, have Amir Coffey come off the bench. As not a, not just really a spark plug because that's probably the the wrong word, but just more of just a reliable, a reliable gear in that machine to make sure that it continues to run smoothly coming off the bench, and then can plug any holes should guys miss time. And you got to imagine, guys are going to miss games throughout this stretch. There's just too many of them. There's too many back to backs. There's just too much travel. There's too much time for guys to play every single game until the end of the season. So the lineup is just another thing that I'll be watching. I just wanted to mention. My thoughts on the man V coffee in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they make a change there, um, especially if they continue to win. It would be rather surprising if something is done there. Um, there's 12 teams, by the way, that are below 500. So there is obviously a greater chance that you're facing a team that's 500 or better um, versus one that's below 500. But nonetheless, having 17 games against teams that are above 500 certainly means that they're really are not going to be a ton of gimmies on the schedule. I mean, you play Portland, you play Memphis, you play Houston, you play Utah, um, and then a couple of random games thrown in there, I believe against Charlotte. Um, there's one, um, and I think Washington as well. Um, so, yeah, there's certainly some games in there that should be wins, but you never know. And the way the Clippers close with six of the seven at home, it's Denver, Utah, Cleveland, and then at Phoenix, then against Phoenix at home, against Utah at home, and against Houston at home. So not easy games, although Utah and Houston very easily could be two winnable games at the end of the season if both those teams are out of the playoff picture, um, which we sh- we do expect that to be the case, but who knows? I mean, Houston's obviously competing, so is Utah, since Utah's two and a half back of the Golden State Warriors, and Houston's three and a half back. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough second half, and I think the Clippers need to stay healthy, um, and I think they need to get off to a good start, and that really begins against OKC. Uh, frankly, I'm not expecting them to win that game. Um, I think that uh, OKC is obviously a very tough team, and I think winning at OKC is very difficult. Um, do you think the Clippers win that game at, at OKC? Just to give you an idea, the Thunder are minus two and a half in that game tomorrow. Minus two, two and a half is probably the ex- the line that I would—they're really good at setting those lines. Yeah. Sometimes those. Those jerks over there, but I think that's probably the correct line because I do think that it's going to be a very close game, and I think the Clippers can win. Would I expect them to win? Probably not. Coming out of the break, I think I think the Thunder at home—it's going to be very difficult. We're going to need some 
some stellar performances from at least two of the big three guys, and then every, everybody's going to have to contribute. But I think Shea's going to be coming in hot. J Dub, uh, I mean, you know, you know the crew, Hol- Holmgren. I, I think they're just going to be up for this game against the Clippers, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my um, entire life savings on it, like some people may. But I think the Clippers can win. Do I think they will? Probably not. And it's worth noting, by the way, the Clippers did win at home against OKC without Zoo, um, 128 to 117. And if you remember in that game, SGA was not good at all. Um, he was 6 of 16 from the field, only had 19 points, zero steals for a guy that has been unbelievable in the defensive end this season. And it was really just Jalen Williams that had a really strong game. Lou Dort was solid as well, as he was 6 of 10, 5 of 8 from 3. But Chet was terrible. He was 2 for 10. Um, he was awful from the get-go. SGA was not good. But on the Clippers' side, I mean, it, Harden was not good at all. He was 5 of 14. Kawhi was 6 of 10, only had 16 points. Uh, it was just PG that went nuclear. So there's certainly some room for improvement on the Clippers' end and a lot of room for improvement on the OKC end. So I'll be interested to see how OKC responds after losing that game by 11 um, at the Clippers. And if you remember, at OKC, the Clippers lost already by 19. And in that game... SGA had 31, and he was 11 of 25 from the field, and he had four steals. So really just the defensive numbers are certainly something to watch for, and the field goal percentage as well. And Shep, by the way, in that game was 9 of 11. So I think those two guys will certainly tell the story. Um, no Zoo. It's interesting that Chet struggled so much without Zoo in the lineup. We'll see how he does with Zoo back in the lineup. But it's, this is a revenge game for OKC, no, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. They're, Shea's looking to exact revenge for sure. Um, speaking of Shea, my friends and I were trying to find the uh, the Arc uh, Shea jersey, the Clippers jersey, you know, number two. Yeah. The It's so expensive to try and find one of those. I mean, especially if you look on eBay, you know, they're, they're, there's like $800 uh, and in that range. It's really hard to find <laughs> an SGA Clippers jersey if that's something that somebody was in the market for. Just a word word of warning. Yeah, listen, when it's he, tough. When he was drafted, he was one of my favorite players. Um, so I was bummed when he was traded. And that's a pretty good segue, actually, um, since I think we did a nice little preview of what's to come for the Clippers um, out of the All-Star break and what, they fly, what lies ahead. But before we get into our next little step, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about Doc and JJ, and we'll talk about the All-Star game. All right, we're back. So, um, I teased that we were going to talk about this Doc versus JJ beef, because obviously the SGA thing was brought up as well by a certain Pat Beverly. Um, We'll get to that. Um, Quick thoughts on the All-Star game from you, because I watched probably about 5 to 10 total minutes um, of the actual game. I watched about... 15 total minutes of the All-Star Weekend. Um, I watched the Slam Dunk Contest when I got home, so I missed the Sabrina versus Steph thing, which sucks because I heard that was the best part. Um, So curious to get your thoughts on All-Star Weekend. It was pretty much a snooze fest, just as everybody was saying. Uh, I I, I did like watching, particularly I liked watching Tyrese Halliburton Saturday and Sunday just because it was his home crowd. Uh, not not so much a coming out party because that may have been the in-season tournament and you know all of us hoop head hoops heads have known him for a while. But I did enjoy watching him at home. I thought that was really cool, especially when he hit like five threes in a row in the All-Star game itself. Uh, Sabrina versus Steph, that was awesome. I wish they had gone two rounds because I could have definitely used some more of that. It was such a breath of fresh air to to everything else that just seems silly and stale and you know not 
it just it was really hard to hold my attention. I yeah, I dilly dallied, I flipped back and forth. So it didn't really hold my attention all that much. I of course I had one eye on how many minutes Kawhi and PG were actually going to get because Kawhi especially playing scared me. I think they got about ten minutes each, which was I was totally fine with. That works for me. Get them in there, get them out. They don't need to be winning MVPs. They don't need to be going hard. They let let the guys rest. So those were the kind of things that were catching my eye. But yeah, for the most part, eh. yeah, fair enough. I think they both uh, didn't play the second half, also, which was uh, which was good to see. Got those ten minutes, like you said, and that was that. Um, let's do a quick little All Star Game chat because there that's really been the the rage is the conversation around the All Star Game and whether it needs to be fixed. Um, or is this something that we just need to appreciate that it's just going to be an exhibition game. Guys are going to go out and just have some fun. They don't want to get hurt. They're already playing 82 games in some cases, 83 because of the play in uh, or rather the in season tournament final. Um, there's a lot of games being played, a lot of back to backs. So uh, I am kind of, I'll give my opinion first because at first I was like, all right, this, they've got to be more competitive, man. Like they're being paid a lot of money. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, if you try and compare the travel to what it is now versus what it was back then, I mean, back then they were on buses and they were on coach planes, like, or flying coach rather. And now they're flying first class. They're getting incredible treatment. And, you know, the, the bodies, we know a lot more about the bodies and how to take care of them. So in that respect, it, it really seems like they're, the bodies are being taken care of better now than they were back then. And the arrangements are better now than they were back then. So why can't you go and play competitive and at least give us a somewhat competitive ball game? But then I understand the other side where it's like, listen, you're getting paid a lot of money. It's a lot more money than what it was back then. If I have a $300 million contract, I don't want to go get hurt in the all-star game. And also what's important is leading my team to the NBA finals. So I don't want to get hurt. And I would beg to think that if it was more competitive, you probably would not have seen LeBron, Kawhi or PG in that game because those guys would have sat out. And then you get the whole load management conversation and whether guys should be forced to play. So it's really a a difficult conversation and one that frankly, I don't really have a side, which is not great for a podcast, but I get both sides. Like, I really do. I understand the people that want to be more competitive. And you can say that it's embarrassing compared to what it used to be and that the accommodations are a lot better now. But I get the other side where these guys are need to be incentivized. Like, they're playing the in-season tournament, which is super competitive. They have the play-in tournament, which is really exhausting uh, for some teams. And just in general, the grueling schedule. We just mentioned it. The Clippers have seven back-to-backs in the second half. Why bother destroying your body for one night when you can go and have half a break because really these guys are not having breaks at all. They're having media obligations when they're at the All-Star game. They're meeting with sponsors or whatever it is. And there's just so much different media stuff. It just they don't really have a couple days to go and unwind. So as much as it's great to be awarded an All-Star appearance, you don't really get a break. So I get both sides. What say you? I say, I say ding, 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 ding on the part where it doesn't make any sense for these players to just push themselves to the limit in an exhibition game in the middle of the season with the stretch run right around the corner. Yeah, okay, there's four or five games off in between Sunday and Thursday, so whatever it is, four four days off that they get, even if they do play in the All-Star game, that's not enough if they're pushing themselves in this All-Star game. So I don't think it's really... 
it's not it's, so the players shouldn't just brush it off like it's nothing, right? Of course, it's an honor to be there and to be an all star, and it's quite an accomplishment. But it's a whole weekend, and there, like you said, there is a lot going on. And really, what it boils down to is it's a it's a marketing event. So I would put the onus on the marketing people. You know, you have to mix it up, right? If you're going to keep it this the way it is, East first West drafting, whatever it is, five on five game with two teams. I don't think people are going to really take it seriously, and you can't up the ante. Like it, it can't be that the winner gets home court advantage in some certain round or gets to pick their opponent or it, yeah, whatever no. it is. Like it can't be that way. So then marketing is just going to have to mix it up. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. You know, make it a three on three tournament. Yeah, you know, go big three style on it. Or uh, I mean, I, I I really I haven't thought this out, but I don't think that the players should. It would not be in the best interest of the players. It wouldn't be in the best interest of the league, ultimately. Maybe it would be in the best interest of one TNT weekend. And definitely wouldn't be in the best interest of us, the fans. I mean, can you imagine if there was like something really on the line or to where the players had to push themselves to play and PG and or Kawhi got hurt? Yeah. We're sitting here looking at these 29 games coming up uh, in such a short period of time, seven back-to-backs. All, all, all these tough opponents, you know, 17 of the 29 over 500, and we're saying, well, you know, if Kawhi can get his knee right after, yeah, he played hard in the All-Star game, he did pretty well, but you know, we'd be we'd be killing the NBA and we'd be killing the All-Star game. So I don't think there's any way in the middle of the season that the players can push themselves for an exhibition game uh, unless uh, they're just going to have to switch it up, the, the format, what kind of game it is, or just push it to the end of the season, or... Just make it, and I think Dan Bespur said this a couple days ago on his pod, just make it super silly then. Go all the way so that it's not, there is no competitiveness. It's just a fun Pro Bowl type deal. And listen, this is not unique to basketball. I mean, the NFL was so bad in terms of no defense whatsoever. They changed it to flag football. Like That's how crazy it got in the NFL where nobody wanted to tackle, nobody wanted to get hurt. So they changed it to flag football. NHL is high scoring. Baseball is a little bit different. It's a lot easier to just take one or two swings or throw six or seven pitches um, and not get hurt and just do your normal thing and, you know, take care of your body. Um, But like you said, basketball is different. And what's funny is I didn't even realize they got rid of the Elam ending in the last couple of years. Like, why would you do that? That is when it really got interesting where you had teams that are competitive in that fourth quarter. I think it's a very good compromise where they can mess around, play a little bit of defense in the first three quarters, and then they really buckle down in the fourth quarter when they need to because they want to get to that last score. And if they're playing for charity, then you know there's a little more incentive for some of these guys. So I think the Elam ending, is a, going back to that, is a good temporary um, fix and see how that works. And then you can kind of go from there because right now it's really turning into a dunk and three-point contest in the middle of the game, which a lot of fans don't want. And I understand the whole, um, you know, they, they could have a break if they after the game on Sunday, but it's like they really don't because the Clippers were already in OKC today practicing, which means if they were playing the game on Sunday, they really only got like one day off before they traveled. So that's not even a vacation because the game before was on Wednesday or Thursday for some of these guys. And if they played Thursday um, last week, then they went straight to Indy on Friday. So there's really no days off at all. So it's not even a break. And for the amount of games these guys are playing and for the amount of stress on their bodies, I get it. But at the same time, like, why can't you go hard for 
15, 20 minutes in an all-star game. I get that too. But I, I do tend to side a little bit more on the, hey, why are these guys exhausting themselves for a silly exhibition game in the middle of the season? Do you remember at the end of old school where they have to go through this all all these different events in order to keep their yes. uh, frat alive? Yes. What what if they did something like that with the All Stars? Where yeah, there's like a track meet, but then there's also a debate. There's also you know they they do the little uh, flags and the gymnastic stuff where they have to jump around the gym and do all that kind of stuff. They just have a whole bunch of different events, sort of old school style, where you know and then you know the guys have to maybe there's like a singing contest, you know whatever the case may be, but you know. Look into the end of old, old school. I'm really looking to more forward to that debate uh, team style thing, but yeah, you could throw something like that into the mix too. Luca the Tumbler. See, I can picture it. <laughs> oh man, the levity that you bring to this podcast—that would be amazing. That would just it would just be great. And then you know, throw in a little bit of Billy Madison in there, um, and what he had to go through, um, certain stuff. So yeah, you're great. You're it's great shape. You know, who knows what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, we'll see what they decide to do. But I, I was curious of your opinion. It seems like there really is no easy fix. I think the Elam ending is a good temporary fix, and then we'll kind of see where they go from there. Um, all right, let's transition to our last topic, and that is J.J. Redick versus Doc Rivers. When Doc has started terribly with the Bucks, I believe it's now 3-7 and seven in his first 10 games, and he is blaming the Bucks for basically having their minds on Cabo when they lost their last game before the All-Star break. Um, Memphis Grizzlies are not good. There's nobody on that roster. You're losing to Gigi Jackson and Santi Aldama. There are no guys that the normal NBA fan knows on that roster, except for probably Luke Kennard, because um, Jaron Jackson was out and everyone and their mother was out of that game. So I think there's a lot of excuses going around, and so JJ said, you know what, stop throwing the blame around and look at yourself. And then, of course, Austin Rivers came to the defense of one Pat Beverly, who said that the career of JJ Redick would basically be over if it wasn't for Doc, and that he was the only one that gave him a starting job, which was false, according to JJ. And then Pat went and said that Jamal Crawford should have started over him, and the Houston 3 1 loss uh, or collapse would not have happened if Jamal Crawford was star. Starting instead of J.J. Redick, it's been a wild little Clippers rehash of how miserable the Lob City era Clippers were and how Doc Rivers has performed since leaving the Boston Celtics. Anything in particular stand out? Because for me, I'm tired of Pat Bev, man. I'm tired of it. I've been tired of him since that push on Chris Paul at the end of the playoffs when the Clippers had already lost to the Suns. And he was just out of control. He's dude's a sore loser. He just runs his mouth. And the part about Jamal Crawford is moronic. I tweeted out earlier today that game six, Jamal Crawford was a minus 27 in that game to the Rockets that they blew in the fourth quarter. J.J. Redick was a plus three in that game. Jamal Crawford shot below 40%. In that series against the Rockets. He shot below 30% from three. In that series against the Rockets. So that is a dumb thing to say. And now he's just moving the goalposts. Where he's saying that you wouldn't have started. To now Jamal Crawford should have started over you. Not should have. It's not a you wouldn't have. Now it's you. Sh- what should have happened. So I'm tired of Pat Bev. Curious your thoughts on the whole thing. I, I will always have a special place in my heart for Pat Bev. But he is dead wrong. 
about this Jamal Crawford should have been starting thing. And you nailed it. I mean, you you covered that uh, so well that um, I, I echo all your thoughts on that. He's a sore loser. He's just running his mouth. Um, and, you know, we'll go back to the Rockets series in a second because I'd be remiss if I didn't read something that our good buddy Jonathan Eng on Twitter, our ex, uh, wrote us. He actually wrote a lot of thoughts about who, who he refers to him as Glenn. I don't, I don't think he wants to call him Doc anymore. Suffice to say, he's not a fan. But what stood out to me uh one of the first things that I saw because I was a little behind, but then I I saw Austin Rivers um addressing the situation and I I tweeted about this, but it was like it was like father like son, and you can't blame him. I mean, if I would come to my dad's defense no matter what, but the argument he made was, you know, he's talking about the bubble. He's like he's like, you know, I think my dad my dad it does take responsibility. You know, I'm paraphrasing, he said in the bubble he got he got fired after the bubble, but half his guys weren't there. Okay, well that kind of sounds like an excuse to me. Uh, you know, then he's talking about Philly. Uh, then he's, uh, he makes an excuse for that. He's talking about the three and seven bucks. You know, Dame hasn't been there for the whole time. They haven't even had their whole team. But my dad definitely takes responsibility. It's it's just a funny argument. Excuses to prove that responsibility has been taken, I thought was incredibly strange um, in that regard. And I, I didn't think really that, I mean, maybe it is a little bit, but I didn't think JJ really had like, I don't think it was sour grapes. I I think he was just saying what a lot of people have been thinking for a long time uh, with with Doc not being accountable for really a number of collapses uh, that we've all seen and have been very public. But because he's such a great front facing guy and, a, you know, he had at the end of the day, I'm sh- a, a, a great coach, but just uh, it starts to pile up after a while. So, you know, to see the back and forth. It just and 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 you nailed it too. It's just like it just brings up these old feelings of just how dysfunctional that team really was at the end of the day. And to echo your Austin River stuff, Austin comes on TV and he says, in terms of accountability, your best years in the NBA are when you played for him and the Clippers. It's very ironic and kind of weird that you have this energy towards him. Um, that's false because the best year that JJ Redick has was in the 18-19 season with the Philadelphia 76ers when he averaged 18 points per game. The year before that with the Philadelphia 76ers, 17.1 points per game. So two years in a row, we averaged 17.1 and 18.1. Those were his two highest scoring seasons. You look at his shooting percentage. He shot 46%, then 44%. Obviously not that high compared to the year before, 44.5%. The year before that, 48, 47.7. So he shot pretty well in certain years with the Clippers. Shot 47.5 from three with the Clippers in 15-16. And then went to Philly, shot 42%. So three-point percentage was his highest with the Clippers. But in terms of scoring, his highest years actually were after with the Philadelphia 76ers. So just completely ignore that is wrong. And it's just one of those things where Austin's coming to the defense of Doc. And I think that J.J. has every right to go on TV and say that Doc needs to start showing some accountability and stop blaming everybody. And then he goes, and he wants to take credit for SGA and his success, and saying how he told Kawhi, like, are you sure about trading SGA for PG? SGA's going to be a really special player. Like, everything coming up right now seems to be just a distraction from how poorly Doc has actually coached this team. He's in the news way too much. But, man, trying to take credit by saying you knew what SGA was going to be um, when you were playing 
him. So we were playing Avery Bradley in certain minutes over him. You were playing other crappy small forwards in certain lineups over him. So, yeah, I'm not going to buy it. And I am pro JJ Redick on this uh, little feud. I am completely pro JJ. Um, you know, at at Sixers, Geo had some pretty funny stuff with uh, some tweets. You know, Doc Rivers says he warned the Jedi about Emperor Palpatine. Uh, you know, it's stuff like that. Uh, Doc Rivers reveals he predicted the Big Bang. I mean, so it's there's some pretty funny stuff coming out of it. But at the end of the day, I'm on the side of uh, I'm definitely on the side of JJ. And like I like I said, our guy our guy Jonathan, I think this so this is not about Doc bashing because I believe Doc actually is a good coach, a great guy, all around. But Jonathan just wanted to point out his, uh, Doc and who he calls Glenn's inability to make adjustments. Uh, he gives an example versus the Rockets. He says, when Josh Smith and Corey Brewer went off, no adjustments were made to try and do something against them while Harden rode the bench in game six to close them out. We all remember that all too well. And he also points out in the 2020 bubble, no adjustments were made, notably leaving Trez in against Jokic instead of matching Zoo's minutes to Jokic. So we've all, as Clippers fans, certainly had our time with the Clippers, you know, watching some of the rotations or lack thereof. Uh, and adjustments that Doc has done, then so on and so forth as he's moved forward. Yeah, and listen, I mean, if you, you've you listened to this podcast, people who are listening for a long time, you know my stance on Doc. I, I don't think the Clippers get through the Donald Sterling era without Doc Rivers. He was tremendous, and the Clippers don't get to the heights that they reached with the Lob City Clippers without Doc. The issue is, is that he's taking victory laps when he blew 3-1 series lead, and against Houston, and he blew the one against Denver in the bubble. So he blew it twice with the Clippers, a 3-1 series lead. And he's taking a victory lap when he didn't win anything with this team that had lofty expectations to win. Like, the Clippers fans are really thankful for what you did during a really tough time. But the more and more he talks about a time where he didn't succeed with the Clippers in terms of winning a championship, the more and more Clippers fans are going to show a little bit of disdain for him. And when you start attacking certain players and you start trying to throw the blame elsewhere, I mean, for Austin to throw the blame on um, the players in the bubble, which is clearly coming from his dad, listen, did those same players get a 3-1 series lead? Those same players that didn't want to be there? Yes. If those same players got a 3-1 series lead, clearly they wanted to be there enough where they won three of the first four games. So that's a load of baloney to say that they didn't want to be there and that's where they lost. Like, they wouldn't have gone and lost the next three games because of that. Like, some of that has to do with coaching. And the amount of times that Trez played 18 straight minutes while Zoo rode the bench, it took until Ty Lue took over for Zoo to actually play 30-plus minutes in a game. Like, there were some adjustments that were made when Ty Lue took over. Some of us were fearful, including myself, that he was just going to be exactly what Doc did. But that has not been the case at all. Ty Lue's a brilliant head coach. But, man, there are a lot of blemishes on that resume for Doc Rivers. And he needs to just own some of the stuff that he did in the past and stop trying to pull the blame on everybody else. Big time, big time. Just, yeah, just take some responsibility and accountability for, yeah, you You just, you made some mistakes. We all have. Are you excited at all? And I know it won't happen until June, but about this clipped show with starring uh, Ed O'Neill and Lawrence Fishburne about the whole Sterling uh debacle or the at least with the doc rivers and all that i I, i'm pretty pumped about it i'll be honest with 
with you. Did you watch the initial one? Um, because I did not. Um, I forget what was it on FX or is this one going to be on FX? Whichever. I believe this one's on FX. I think. Yeah, I didn't watch the first one, the uh, Sterling tapes or whatever that was. I forget exactly what it was called. Um, I didn't watch that, but yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I'm excited to watch something about the Clippers. Although that's such a miserable time um, <sighs> as a Clippers fan. Um, hopefully it comes after the Clippers win a title and then it'll be kind of funny to revisit it, but yeah, I'll watch if it's, if it's something that I, ha- I have access to, no doubt. Yeah. And I mean, God, Ed O'Neill, how can you, how can you go wrong? Married with children. Come on. Of course. Cool. So that'll do it for this pod. A little preview of the second half. What's to come. Um, chat a little about the all-star game and a little bit about this JJ Reddick feud, because listen, it's the all-star. I mean, it's the, whatever you want to call it, the all-star break. And there's some stuff to talk about. Um, which I wasn't sure we are going to talk about much on this pod, but we were able to get enough content to kill about 35 to 40 minutes. So what is coming up? We have a back-to-back at OKC on Thursday, at Memphis on Friday. Our goal, I know I say this a lot and sometimes it doesn't come true, our goal is to do a podcast Friday night after that Memphis game. So we'll look back immediately at that Memphis game. That'll be the immediate react. And we'll also look back at that OKC game as well. And then look ahead to the Sunday contest against the Sacramento Kings. So a good second half ahead. Let's all hope for good things for the Clippers. I think, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? 19 and 10 is something that's reasonable. 19 and 10 puts you at a total of 55 wins, 55 and 27. Um, I think that's pretty reasonable. Obviously, like a little bit higher, but what do you think? 19 and 10? You think a little bit higher? I'm looking at 21 and 8. Ooh, 21 and 8. Lofty expectations, considering there are so many teams there that are above 500, but we shall see how it goes. Of course, if you give us a review, we will read it on air. Drop us a five star rating as well. We do appreciate you continuing to listen, subscribe and sharing this podcast with friends, family, whoever it might be, fellow Clippers fans. You can follow Matt on X slash Twitter at Matt Matt Warren. You can follow me at BD Marcus. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. Go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.